This is the Delivery Space podcast. Whether you're interested in software delivery, business change or transformation, we've got some great content lined up for you. We launch into different areas of project delivery and bring you those insights and experiences that you don't get from a book. Welcome, it's Sharon and Nisha. This is episode number four on why coaching is so important for enterprise agility. Hi there, Nisha. Hey, Sharon. I am so looking forward to today's chat with Femi. How are you doing? I'm really good and really looking forward to this. I know Femi will bring us so much knowledge and information. Definitely. Morning, Femi. Good morning, Nisha. Sharon, I'm gonna good morning. Give- Good morning. Hey. I'm going to give our listeners a bit of an introduction to you. So okay. everyone tuning in, Femi is a professional agile coach with one of the world's largest communication companies, combining digital technology with telecommunications. We're lucky to have him today. He has a passion for guiding teams and leadership in maximizing and leveraging business agility benefits in today's global markets. As a coach, facilitator, trainer and consultant, he has successfully guided scrum teams, product management, business owners and leadership in improving corporate performance and helping them develop models that optimize their operations and enhance their global opportunities. Scaling scrum is one of his specialities. Femi, that is one great uh, set of experience you have behind you. Thank you so much, Nisha. Uh, I've I've read the annual state of Agile report, like the recent one, and I make it a point to just look at trends over the years. Okay. Um, why is coaching? If you can, if you can clarify that at the outset for our listeners, why is coaching important at? an enterprise level. We know that teams have adopted, software development teams have adopted Agile um, to varying degrees of success and they continue to do so. The numbers are on the rise. Absolutely. Why is is enterprise really important? Thank you so much for that question. Why is Agile coaching important at enterprise level? And we call this enterprise agility. Now, um, you made reference to State of the Annual Report. Um, for this discussion, I'm going to add another report to okay. our evergreen list of reports. And this one's called the Elusive Agile Enterprise, a Forbes Insight Report. And this report was done in conjunction with um, the um, Fortune 500 and Scrum Alliance. Now, Let's unpackage the question that you've just presented there. Why is Agile coaching important at enterprise level? Um, First and foremost, we've got to remember that any organization, any enterprise, is made up of individuals first. And these individuals work in teams. The teams work in departments. The departments are in business units, in functioning units. And it's these units that are either development value streams or operational value streams. More recently, we have things like DevOps. DevOps being a mindset which combines development and operations. We also have things like DevSecOps and so on and so forth. 
Now, when you put these units together, you have leadership that guides the teams, the units. Mm -hmm. And it is these guidance and these units that actually drive business agility at enterprise level. So here's the thing. Coaching is very important, not just at team levels, not just at individual level, and not just at functional unit levels. They're important at business, enterprise, leadership level. The reason for the importance is because it's your leaders who formulate the vision and the mission. It's the leaders who formulate the strategies, the strategies that are aligned with the vision and the mission, and it's the strategy that they use to set organizational policies. Now, coaching at enterprise level assists leadership in ensuring alignment. When we talk about alignment, we're not just talking about the leaders being up there. Alignment top-down. Alignment bottom-up. And then alignment sideways, left to right, right to left. Absolutely important. Oftentimes, we encounter situations where there's a lack of alignment. And what happens? Leadership are doing one thing. Teams and business units are doing something else. You get organizational misalignment. So, one of the most significant reasons why I have agile coaching at um, leadership level, enterprise level, is because you've got to align execution with strategy. Mm. Agile is everywhere in the world of today. Um, I know at the beginning there was reference made to software development. Guess what? We've gone way beyond software development. Oh, yeah. Agile HR, Agile Finance, Mm -hmm. Agile Distribution, Agile Marketing, Agile Sales. Mm -hmm. Guess what? Agile Legal. It's everywhere. Mm -hmm. So, even though it was um, adopted in a software development environment at the very beginning, Scrum's now exploded way beyond, um, you know, software writing. It's gone into automobile manufacturing. Okay? Now, um, the Elusive Agile Enterprise Forbes Insight Report surveyed more than a 1,000 C-level executives around the globe, and they focused on a range of industries. What the report shows is an increasing importance of agility as an organizational approach and how organizations explore end-to-end agility in this highly competitive world. And here lies the essence of coaching. Coaching helps enterprises in shaping and forming the right leadership mindset. It helps the workforce. It helps developing a culture that would ensure an organization transformation. Now, I refer to that report. There were some key findings in the report. I mean, we can't really go through everything during this conversation, but what's important is highlighting some of the key findings of the report. Firstly, organizations are increasingly recognizing the value of 
organizational agility. 81% of all surveyed respondents consider it to be more important as a characteristic of a successful organization. 81%, that's high. Very high. Organizations that succeed at achieving greater agility experience very, very high rewards. Now, let's think about one or two of those rewards. Faster time to market. Faster Mm. innovation. Improved non-financial results. So, I think out of those three, for me, faster time to market is absolutely critical. And here lies the essence of coaching at organizational level. I'm just going to pick one more of those findings. Culture is key to supporting an agile enterprise. 65% of survey respondents agree that their culture is an asset to the organization. And 66% consider agility an essential part of their company's DNA. 66%. So That's culture really interesting. Rocks. Yeah, absolutely. Because Femi, the, those behaviors that you alluded to, which is why you coach at enterprise level, right? Because you're trying to make sure that you're fostering the right behaviors. So that that is very apparent. And I think um, I've I've heard it within previous reports as well, that culture can be sometimes the biggest blocker because there needs to be alignment between uh, the the, uh, values that foster agility within an organization and its own cultural values, correct? That's that's um, some really useful stats coming out there for me. Indeed, indeed. I mean, just to add one more thing, I've actually done a series of um, presentations um, in the past three to six months. Um, and there was one specific um, presentation I did that focused on organizational transformation. And in that, I presented three different types of transformations. One of them is process-led transformation. So organizations focus on processes. Let's just use Scrum. Some organizations, all they do is bring in roles. And those roles, such as a Scrum master, a product owner, and developers. Doesn't matter what level of expertise or proficiency they have. They just say, oh, all right, you look good as a scrum master. Oh, yeah, you can just be a scrum master. Guess what? They focus on transformation at that level, but they ignore or neglect other parts of the organization. And then they start to have problems. Yeah, And the transformation rolls back because, oh, Mm -hmm. it's not working. Guess what? Yeah. You've approached it the wrong way. Mm -hmm. The one that is most applicable to successful organizations who transform is what we call culture-led transformation. If you want your transformation to succeed, the first thing is to focus on the culture, transform the culture, change the mindset, and then you're on a good track. And when we talk about culture-led transformation, that's where we talk about coaching in a business agility setting. 
And I think I like um, it. Yeah, I've I've seen that firsthand. What you've described there, Femi, where people have brought in those different roles, but you know, there's various parts of the business that just didn't understand, you know, and didn't um, weren't able to change their ways of working. And it was the whole cultural and the mindset aspect that you've just described there. So mm. I completely understand what you're Thank saying. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. You can have like a scrum master, right? Applied to a, di- uh, brought into a discrete team within a software development arm. And, the, you know, they can, they can work on projects and that's great. Um, but the moment they start hitting other and, and impacting other functions within the yeah. business, that's when I think the burden of putting transformation on a small number of teams or a single team, it's too great without fostering the overall behavior. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Go for it, Sharon. So for me, I'm guessing there are many different styles of coaching that um, (laughs) can be used. So I'm interested to know what are the various styles of coaching that can be used in this scenario? And what do you think works best, particularly at the enterprise level? Oh, fantastic question. Now, there's a joke going around in the agile coaching circles. And I'm pretty sure you may have heard this before. If you put 10 Agile coaches in the room and you ask one question, you get, you get 11 different answers. Now, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> a joke, it is true. Coaching is perspective driven. Yes, we have competencies and we have, you know, um, values and we have ethics within the coaching profession. When we come, when we show up as coaches, we show up as who we are. So Hmm. I can only speak about myself. I'm a professional of the International Coaching Federation, in addition to being an Agile coach. So I go far beyond just being the Agile coach that you would get in a typical organization. My approach to coaching is invitational, not instructional, not directive. Through invitational coaching, I guide organizations towards creating a C-suite that has an agile mindset. Now, the key word there is I guide organizations. I don't tell organizations, I don't instruct, and I don't come up with my own agenda. Typically, I guide organizations to ensure that they hire and develop the right mix of talent, fostering an agile-friendly culture and organizational structure. Now, throughout our discussion, you're going to hear the word culture come up time and time and time again. My coaching approach is culture-driven culture-led, culture-oriented, invitational. Um, What works best for me at enterprise level? Again, we're going to look at the Forbes Insight reports that we referred to earlier on, done in conjunction with the Scrum Alliance. There are three specific steps that I apply, and these make it my coaching worked best for me at enterprise level. 
when guiding, when coaching at enterprise level, I guide towards practicing what I preach. I don't coach in one way and do something else. No, the synergy between what I say, what I guide, what I do. I also ensure that the conversations we have enable leadership to determine what it takes to succeed. Typical question could be, what does it take to become an agile C-level executive, C-suite? What does it take? And then I consider a team-based executive-level strategy, team-based. Now, together, when I put all these three steps into, uh, into practice, right, it creates an agile-friendly, enterprise-level coaching environment, one that not only understands the values and principles of agile, but uses them to drive the organization forward and generate bottom-line benefits. So, oftentimes we hear at leadership level, and say, Agile is for teams. Agile is for developers. Agile is for operational staff. The reality is, without leadership commitment, without leading from the front, <laughs> I'm going to use a word, unfortunately, the word is doom. Without leadership buying, leadership commitment, enterprise level commitments to agility, any form of transformation or transition toward agile is doomed, unfortunately. I can I can see that and I, I've I've seen that in practice and it does not feel it's not a comfortable experience to go through for me. Um and, and that is why I think it's very, very important to have coaches um on standby. It's also not uh, and also not a one-time exercise, is Absolutely. it? Absolutely. It's, it's a, a continuous checking in exercise where, um, where leadership are continually, um, you know, a focus is being brought back on the right behaviours, on fostering the right culture. Indeed. Um, I like your three steps. Um, I, I, it oh, would thank be, you. Yeah, no, they, they make complete sense mm -hmm. to me. And I also like the the invitational side of it, because you're not going in there um, speaking to executive uh, leadership, assuming anything is wrong with that, uh, with their setup. You're actually inviting them and guiding them to look Indeed. at an alternative view without suggesting there's anything wrong currently, Indeed. right? That's what invitational coaching is about. You've got it spot on there. I mean, the most important thing about um, coaching relationships if we hmm. think about how coaching works in real life within organizational settings, at least, it's a partnership, partnership hmm. of equals. So it happens all the time. I get invited in by an organization to help. Okay? Now, to help. What's the first thing I try and do? I try and establish what problem are you just trying to solve? Mm. So they describe a problem. Oh, we want to get our products quicker to the market. 
But I follow up with one important question. Three letters in one word. Why? Mm -hmm. Understanding the compelling why, to a large extent, helps the enterprise leadership dig deep and have a very good understanding of why they want to achieve that enterprise level agility. And from there on, we start thinking about, right, okay, you understand why you want to do it. When you've done it, when you, when you have business agility, what would your organization look like? What does success look like for you? Yeah. And how would you know that the change you've made has solved the problem? And you see, we're not having that coaching conversation now, although I'm having it by myself, you know, I'm changing hats. <laughs> but, you know, that's how it works. You know, it just, yeah. it's casual conversation. Just talk about it. Yeah. Just talk. And actually, I like that because Sharon and I are hearing what you're saying and they are layers to that yes. why. Yep. It's not just a one word, you know, it's just not a, a, a first question and yeah. then you get the answer and you're running with it. Yes. But you're digging deep with Absolutely. that why, right? Um, when you start off uh, with this coaching partnership, Femi, yes. um, and you enter into it with the exec, <clears throat> what are the main challenges that you've experienced? Hmm. Main challenges that I've experienced. Now, I wish we had about two to three hours. <laughs> I, could spend, <laughs> I could spend that long on, on, on that specific question. We'll um, maybe have you back again. Yeah. Oh, without sure. a doubt. Any day, any time. But just to keep it real and keep it succinct, <clears throat> main challenges. I'm, I'm going to focus on, on, on maybe two, maybe three specific areas, and I'm not going to get delve too deep. The most common, most prevalent, and most damaging of the challenges that I encounter is resistance to change. Where you have leadership that fail to adapt to new behavioral changes. We've always done it that way. We've always done it that way. Especially for leadership who you have members of um, um, the guiding leadership of the organization who've been there quite a while. Mm. They're part of the DNA of the organization. Yeah, so they've been there a very long time. And say, oh, that's how we did it 10 years ago. Well, we don't want to change. I'll just get Agile in for people at the team level. So that adaptation to new behavioral changes is at the root cause of all the challenges that, we, that I have personally experienced. And if we remember, that C word earlier on, culture. Behavioral changes are basically cultural changes. Yeah, stemming from that resistance to change is the mindset shift. I know we all talk about fixed mindset and growth mindset. You hear this all the time. Let's just forget about fixed and growth for a minute and just call it mindset. That shift in the mindset is 
absolutely critical. And that mindset starts with an individual. Now, as a coach, one of my motors is exceed your vision. Bring your dreams into reality. Nothing is impossible. Keep trying, you will get better. You know, these are mantras that I bring in into my conversations with, you know, enterprise leaders. Just to encourage that mindset shift. Okay. One more. Organizations embark on a journey of agility. And then they start to encounter some problems, which is okay. From a coaching point of view, it's okay to encounter these problems. You've got to weather the storm. No one mm -hmm. said it's going to be easy. <laughs> we all know how challenging it could be. You know, resistance to change. Oh, we don't want to do that. Oh, no, no, no. That's not how we do it here. And guess what? And the earliest sign of problems, typically, organizations do one thing. They fall back on old ways of working because it's their comfort zone. It's familiar mm -hmm. to them. Earlier on, I think it was Nisha who mentioned the fact that, you know, um, when they've got a culture that's built on, you know, relationships between people and they start to have challenges, they fall back on the old ways simply because they believe that's the best way. Old ways are all, not always the best way. You've got to innovate. Now, innovation, if we remember, that that's one of the key findings that I mentioned from the report mm. from a yeah. few minutes ago. You've got to innovate. You've got to find better ways constantly innovating and getting better at what you do. So, no, I could go on with more challenges, but these are the typical ones that I've encountered. Now, what is the essence of having a coach at enterprise level? A coach is never around within the organization infinitely. Eternally. A coach comes in for a duration, and when they deliver the um, their contract, their mandate, when they've delivered, it's time to go. Mm. There lies another problem. What happens when the coach leaves? Mm -hmm. Part of the role as a coach that I have to ensure is what you call a transitional arrangement so that when the coach has exited the organization, you have leaders who are responsible for continuation. That continuity is what you need to avoid the third challenge that I mentioned, falling back on old ways. Once the coach is no longer around and there's no one to ensure continuity, they just slip back to where they were before. Because I'm guessing Hence, it's so easy the to do, Femi. 
I'm guessing it's so easy for people to do, you know, and just the coach goes out the door. And because it's the comfort zone, like you've described, they just immediately (laughs) retreat back into what they know. Absolutely. Absolutely. And following on from that point then, so what are the foundational things that kind of need to be put in place so that people don't just um, roll back to previous behaviours and ways of Mm. working? Well, foundational things that need to be put in place, right. I'll take you back to my early days. Um, There's one of my coaches, my mentor, his name is Bob Galen. He lives in the United States. He actually brought me to one realization. Coaching, leadership of an organization is different from coaching team members. Mm. I, I latched on to one guidance he gave me in my early days of coaching. Meet leadership at the level where they are. Mm. You have to speak their language. You have to meet them where they are rather than coming with preconceptions. Oh, managing director, I have made an observation that in this enterprise, you're doing things wrong. Oh, no, 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 no. Wrong approach. (laughs) Meet them where they are. Secondly, frame coaching language and style in an acceptable manner. Mm. Coaching is conversational. And coaching is language. Speak the language that makes it acceptable to them. There's a different way we speak with team members in a coaching conversation. But when we pivot to executive level, we frame it differently. Now, here's another thing. I've learned not to bash leadership with agile Mm. our leaders don't care so much about agile (laughs) i learned not to be a purist Mm. not Mm -hmm. to quote textbook but just apply basic psychology now at the earlier part of our conversation i dropped in why If I was speaking to a leader, I probably wouldn't just say why. Probably say, why might that be? Hmm. What would that do? And when that happens, what next? So, you know, basic psychology, engaging conversation, flow, challenge and response. I guide leadership with tried and tested ways of easing a transition. There are four suggested ways. Now, again, I'm not going to go into too much detail about it, but, you know, just keeping it high level. Yeah. As part of my coaching approach, I guide leadership of an organization to firstly make sure they invest in training. The biggest distractor, detractors of organizational agility 
are long-time employees, people who've been comfortable in their comfort zone, people who are staunchly resistant to change, but with the right amount of training, coaching, they get to see the benefits of adopting a different mindset. Now, another approach is to identify business needs ahead of time. Mm. How do we do that? That compelling three-letter word. Why? To avoid a false start, organization leadership should first assess what they want to gain from Agile. Is the objective customer satisfaction as competition mounts? Or is the goal to reduce the risks of a project failure? Now, can I we don't ask, Femi? Yes, Misha. Yeah, could I, could I ask, when you are approached by an exec team or there's an opportunity for you, um, how is the ask framed by leadership? That was really interesting for me to know. Would they approach you to say, we want to... Um, we want to be able to foster agile as a way of working um, or and, and, and list the outcomes that they're looking for. Or do they approach you with more cultural change aspects that they'd like to foster? You know, how, how do they express their need to you? The, the reality from experience is right yeah. at the outset. They don't know. And that's, that's what, what I wanted to bring coach. out. Yeah. If they knew, they yeah. wouldn't need me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, sometimes organizations would say things such as, we want to adopt Scrum. And the first question is, why? 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 Why yeah. do you want to adopt Scrum? <laughs> yeah. So we have the conversations in a non-critical manner, in a guiding yeah. manner. Now, there's something specific about what I've just said when an organization says, we want to adopt Scrum. Now, without understanding why and taking, down that, taking the organization down the road of adopting Scrum, mm. they may well be adopting the wrong framework. Mm, yeah. Maybe all they need is Kanban. Mm -hmm. Maybe all they need is Lean. But maybe one of the executives in a, was in a social setting with a co-executive of another company. And maybe that executive was singing all the glories of how Scrum is working for their organization, productivity yeah. is increased, employees are more satisfied, faster time to market, and so on and so forth. Everything's fine. And then this executive scratches their head and says, hmm, sounds great. I'm going to adopt Scrum in my organization. <laughs> and they get a coach in and say, Coach Femi, I want you to implement Scrum in my organization. I can see that happening, Femi. I it can happens yeah, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll ask the question, 
why do you want to why do you want to implement scrum and then explain the explaining all right yeah okay apex company is using scrum and this has happened there and that's happened if I leave it there at that level and say, okay, yeah, okay, now I understand why you want to do it. If I leave it and just run with that explanation without progressing the conversation, then I will fail in my professional duties as a coach. Mm. So the next question is, and when you've embraced Scrum and you're practicing Scrum, what problems will disappear? Mm-hmm. What would good look like for you? Mm. And then they describe it. And we say, right, mm, that sounds great. But then I now have to explore creatively, take them on an exploratory journey. And just ask them maybe simple questions such as, if you didn't do Scrum, what else would you do? And they say, I don't know. And we now have to bring in our consulting side of ourselves as a coach to now mm. bring in the various options. What would Kanban do for you as an organization? What would Lean do for you? There are so many different options. It all depends on what you're trying to achieve. What's the culture of your organization? Your culture may not support Scrum. Yeah. How do we know? You've got to work with a coach. Now, before we get to that level, I would like to add one point. Bringing in a coach to solve problems is not a solution. Mm -hmm. There's got to be chemistry. Oftentimes, a coach will go in first and start having conversations. Nothing to do with the problems at hand. Just chemistry. Can we work together? How does that feel? Do we fit? Femi. Yes. Yeah. How does that feel? That um, that that connection, that chemistry. How, how do you gauge whether you believe that you've got that with a client? Half an hour is more than enough. The first five okay. minutes of a chemistry session. Um. Again. No specific leader, no specific organization in mind here. Hypothetical scenario. Mm. You go into a chemistry session and you can't get a word in. And the leader is actually, let's just say narcissistic. Tell, tell, tell. No reflection. No pausing. Can I work in that situation? Probably not. Mm-hmm. A professional coach doesn't fit every single assignment. Work for some, doesn't work for some others. There has to be synergy. There has mm-hmm. to be alignment of thought. You've got to have that rapport You've got to be able to get in a good relationship. Now, I'm going to use one example here. It's a little bit like in marriage. (laughs) Two people don't get on well (laughs) and they decide to get married. Or 
into a relationship. Well, the reason why I say marriage is because of the legal backing mm-hmm. that it has. If they don't go on, if they don't get on well, right from the outset, they know that it's not a relationship that would work, and they still go ahead and get married. There's a likelihood that it would end up in family court, where they now have to go through a legal process to dissolve it. In coaching, it's contractual based. I never go into a contractual relation into a coaching relationship without a contract. The contract comes after the chemistry has been mm. established. So before we go into any further detail, we've got to have contractual relationship. We've got to set out the rules of the game, the ethical framework, confidentiality, roles and responsibility, who does what, when, finances, terminations, um, dispute resolution, what happens if we have a dispute? All of that takes place before we actually get to solving problems. If we rush a relationship, we encounter challenges. It's not just mm. about going in to fix the problem. If we pay attention to the contractual side of it, chances are you will have an easy ride. I like that, Femi. And it's also a way of ensuring commitment, isn't it? From Absolutely. the exec. So you you know, you have that you have that uh, that connection with them. You have you feel like you can get an understanding Absolutely. of where their needs are and they're expressing themselves like Indeed. that to you as well. Absolutely. But I guess there's a there's a way of judging like um that people often take for granted, right? If they're just hit with a barrage of, you need to help me fix this, 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 this. And there is no reflection or pause for thought. Indeed. Um, where is the space for the coach to come in yeah. <laughs> to even ask that question? Welcome why? to my world. <laughs> where <laughs> right? is the space where for the is coach the to space? come in? Yeah. 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 And, and here lies the essence of contracting. Before taking on an assignment, before actually executing, before hitting those problems, you define Mm. all that up front in a contract. Mm -hmm. It defines the roles and responsibilities. It defines who does what, reporting structure. I think for me, one of the most important aspects of contractuals is the confidentiality. Who Mm -hmm. has access to what information do we just speak to anybody about anything and 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 everyone just talks about stuff no Mm. you've got to have the contract in place about who does what who says what how do we escalate how do we resolve challenges time skills it's not just about the fees although we all like Mm -hmm. the fee it's not Mm -hmm. just about the fees there's so yeah, much on, thought Sharon. isn't there that has to, and so much pre-work I can yeah. see that has to be put in before you even uh, get going uh, I mean um, you know we've, like we talked about investing in training 
identify businesses ahead of time, establishing a strong communication structure. Now, with the right talent and skill, a staggering 81% of executives in that survey that we referred to earlier on, they point to communicating with all stakeholders as a key to a successful agile transformation. So there's one thing for the coach to have a communication of um, um, strategy in place with the leadership, but within the leadership, how do they communicate with other leaders such that everyone is on the same page? Now, there's another element to it. They've got to enlist third-party support. About 68% of executives who responded, they hired a third-party consultant to help their organization be more agile. So I'm talking about not just having the coach, but third-party consultancies to help implement the transformation. That's no surprise, given that agile coaches can offer in-depth understanding of practices and principles of agile. But when it comes to implementing the frameworks, the methodologies, cascading it down to teams, the leaders are there to lead the transformation, to have that lean agile mindset, to champion the change, to ensure they provide support. Well, they can't go around and do it by themselves. Mm. They need third-party support to make it happen. Femi, wow. this is an area that Sharon and I would love to explore with you because, I, again, I've seen mixed results um, with third parties. It's, mm. it's, it's a really good way of gauging, I guess, A, the engagement of the leadership, but also how bought in that third party is Absolutely. to, you know, the transformation as well. Um, I, you've taught, just uh, given Sharon and I so much information um, and also helped us appreciate that the role of an enterprise coach, the role of an agile coach is not an easy one. Mm. <laughs> For sure. There's so many um, aspects that you've drawn out there. Then. Yeah. Particularly, you know, asking the question why and yes. the approach that you take and the guidance. There's so much to it. Indeed. Femi, what would be your key takeaway? Ooh. From what specifically? From the conversations that From we kind of had today. Yeah. Is there anything key that you want uh, yeah. to draw out? So, um... Key things, number one, I need to continue with my coaching stance. I mentioned invitational coaching earlier on. That should never stop. But I also need to add to that neutrality. Neutrality, what do I mean by that? In respect of what? I have no affiliation with any Agile framework or any loyalty to any specific um, um, agile way of working. What best works for an organization is a unique way of working for that organization. I need to ensure that I continue with avoiding copy and paste, cookie cutter type of coaching, where you have a template of your coaching script you go into the organization, 
and you apply that same script regardless of what's happening there, regardless of the culture. No, no, no. Again, being self-aware of that is very important for me, that I continue with that non-specific um, framework of approach. Um, mm -hmm. The key takeaway, again, is um, if we remember the Agile Manifesto, individuals and interactions are preferable. We're not saying that they are better or the only way. They're just preferable over processes and tools. And when we look at individuals and interactions, when we unpackage it, we're pointing, again, we're pointing to culture. Individuals and how they relate is the cultural aspect, the behavioral aspect of people who work in the organization. As long as you get the individuals, focus on the people, treat them as people, you have a very good chance of making sure that your business agility succeeds. Now, again, when I reflect on foundational things that need to be put in place to ensure that fallback that we discussed earlier on, I guide organizations to make sure that they have a learning and development. Now, that's another key takeaway for me. L&D, let's call it L&D. You need a strong L&D function that will support the transition on an ongoing basis. You don't just mm. train business analysts to become product owners. You don't just train project managers to become scrum masters and leave it there. They become lifelong learners. Continuous mm. development. Who tracks that continuous development? You've got to have a learning and um, L&D function that ensures ongoing development. You, they need to have a basic transformational transitioning model. Transformational transitioning model. And this ensures that there's commitment, buy-in from the executives, and this would ensure that continuity. So we've talked about culture, talked about continuity, and the last C that I'm going to add as my takeaway is commitment. Mm. Agile is not easy, but <laughs> if the leadership of an organization are coached into being committed, then it becomes a piece of cake. Commitment at executive level. Leaders need to embrace the change philosophy. It doesn't have to be agile. It's a change philosophy. Embrace it. And guess what? Mm. You're going to say, Femi, what are you talking about here now? You just said it doesn't have to be agile. But when you <laughs> embrace a change philosophy, guess what? That's agile. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
So, I love that. <laughs> so, you know, we're not going to say, you have to be agile, you have to be agile. When you embrace change, right. when you embrace, embrace an iterative approach, when you embrace a feedback model, when you embrace acceleration, when you embrace business agility, that speaks for itself. Secondly, ensure that you understand that it is culture that needs changing, not frameworks, not job titles, just culture. Mm. And then securing time of leadership is very important for me. By far the biggest challenge that I've encountered in every organization that I've been involved with as an agile coach, and this is repetitive, access to leaders, accessibility, to even mm. get time to speak with them. But guess what? I ensure that in the contract, we define touch points. Even though it's in the contract, it still comes as challenging sometimes. But the key point is that accessibility to leadership is absolutely important to get this change on the road. And that's it, really. Wow. Femi, thank you so much. You've given us just a wealth of knowledge and I know that we've only just skimmed the surface. Yeah. So Nisha, I think there will definitely need to be a part two. Um, <laughs> I look forward to that. Femi come back on. Yeah, it's been absolutely wonderful. Thank I you. think one of the key takeaways for me, Femi, has been, um, you know, you've constantly uh, mentioned about the cultural aspects. And I've seen that, and Nisha's seen it, we've seen it ourselves, that you have to change those hearts and minds in order Absolutely. to transform it. So that's my key takeaway. Thank Nisha, you. Nisha, what's yours? I've learned so much uh, from listening to you, Femi. Um, mine would be the, uh, obviously culture is king, uh, and that is for sure. And I, I, I fully appreciate the role of an agile coach in facilitating that. Um, I love the concept of the invitational coaching. It feels like a very a non-invasive way Indeed. of being able to bring about change, but also paint a picture of what could be with active involvement Absolutely. from leadership. So, um, yeah, I, I really like that. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna call you back to delve I a little bit deeper on that. for sure. That invitational <laughs> coaching is a skill. Um, and it's it's probably not as easy as we've um, we've made it sound during this call. There's probably challenges that come with that as well. So, yeah, thank you for um, bringing that to to the session. Thank you so much. It's been great fun um, for for a Sunday morning. Um, <laughs> honestly, this is the height of my weekend. I've loved this so much. Oh, thank you so much for the you, time. Thank you, Femi. And I look forward thank to part you, two. Yeah. Oh, we'll, we'll <laughs> schedule it in. Me and Sharon will be For on sure. that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Femi, if people want to find you um, and, and uh, speak to you a little more about your areas of expertise or if they want to work with you um, and connect, how can they get in touch? Um, being, a, being an agilist, being a coach, I practice what I preach. I'm transparent, easily accessible, 
you can reach me on LinkedIn, Femi Odelusi. Very easy to Brilliant. find. Brilliant. <laughs> we'll include your LinkedIn profile Please do. Um, on all the socials, yes. okay, so that um, you can be located. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you for watching and listening. Look out for our next video. Please like and follow us on social media, our Instagram and LinkedIn profiles. We hope that you got as much out of this session as we did. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Femi.